Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. On today's episode, Liz and I talk with the one and only Matt Townsend. Dr. Matt shares his acronym STARVED and explains why meeting these seven basic needs are vital for healthy relationships. Over the last few decades, Matt has dedicated his life to the study of communication and interpersonal relationships. Matt worked as a lead presenter for the industry leader Franklin Covey for many years. About 20 years ago, he founded the Townsend Relationship Center, where he has been able to share his expertise on relationships, communication, anxiety, and conflict resolution with thousands of clients, ranging from individuals, married couples, and parents, to large corporations such as CNN, Cox Communications, and Lockheed Martin. Dr. Matt earned his bachelor's and master's degrees in communication, a second master's degree in human development, and a doctoral degree in human development. He is a weekly contributor to KSL TV show Studio 5 with Brooke Walker. Matt's book, Starved Stuff, The Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationships, is a popular pick among those searching for better relationship skills. He also has many online programs available on marriage, dealing with anxiety, and parenting. Matt is active in his church and community and enjoys swimming, playing tennis, and spending time with his wife, Marty, of 32 years, and his six children, four in-law children, and five grandchildren. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Dave here at USU alongside Dr. Liz Hale, our clinical psychologist. And we are so excited. We're bringing you the best tips and tools and some research and resources to help you create the marriage of your dreams. Okay, Liz, I'm super yeah. excited about our guest Me today. Me too. Me too. <laughs> he is one of the most popular speakers I know when it comes to marriage. He does all these trainings and coaching. Yeah. So much that Matt does. He's an incredible, uh, again, presenter. He's an author, which we'll talk about some some principles from one of his books. Uh, he also appears regularly on Studio 5 alongside, right? Maybe not alongside, but with yeah. uh, Studio <laughs> 5, just like Dr. Liz Hale does here. Um, so excited to welcome Dr. Matt Townsend to the show. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, guys. So good to be with you. I've watched yeah. this thing grow. I love um, watching you guys uh, make relationships better and easier. Likewise. Back at you, Matt. Yeah. So Matt's a friend of both Liz, Liz and I. Um, I've known him from the Utah Marriage Commission. He's, Liz has been on the Utah Marriage Commission. They have other, other connections, so we're excited to, to have uh, Matt on with us today. Um, Matt, it took us long enough to, to get you here, my friend. You're, you're a busy guy. You're you have a lot of new things going on, which we'll get to, and you'll be yeah. able to to plug as well as we go along. So we appreciate you making time for us today. I'm honored and sorry it takes so long. I wanted to be on so much earlier. Hey, you're, you're doing so much good for so many people. Matt, can we, can we start off really our discussion by just briefly discussing what's going on with, with marriages today and the serious struggles that people are working through? What are you seeing in your, your practice, the coaching, what are couples coming with today? Yeah, great question. So 
in in my program and just I I do a lot of coaching and so a lot of them that have um some real serious uh intervention issues a lot of them are seeing the counselors but most of them that come and see me they just they don't know how to communicate number 1 they don't know they don't no one's making time the way they need to we have a lot of people that are distracted in their lives and their relationships I see a ton of anxiety and depression, and that's now impacting the relationship. I think it's making a lot of us more reactive to each other, way less patient. I think some of our expectations about what a relationship is and how it should serve us personally, I think some of those expectations maybe aren't aligned to healthy long-term relationships. We might want to help people shift a little bit about their expectation. And then I just think, I just think there's people are tired. I think there's just kind of a general malaise and um, because it's harder than maybe we thought it should be. A lot of us maybe thought that it would just be, you know, love and harmony and peace and little, you know, just beautiful little butterflies. And then at some point we have to work on it. And that's um, that's what I just see is it's just kind of a general people are tired. And you provide help to so many, Matt. I mean, I'm on Studio 5 once a month. Matt, you're on once a week. And so many people turn to you for help and guidance. You've come up with an acronym. And I remember this from the very early start of our friendship, an acronym called STARVED, S-T-A-R-V-E-D. And you've even written a book about the seven basic needs of healthy relationship. Well, we'd love to go in deeper with this, if, if you'd be so kind. Let's start with the letter S which stands for safety. safety. Oh, and so yeah, what would happen is I, I started originally as kind of a, I was a mediator. I started mediating divorces. Um, I thought that would be fun as a child of divorce. I had this, I had this master's degree in conflict resolution, but as I would sit with these couples to begin with, I would, um, I would notice they all pretty much had the same issues, the same triggers going on. And as I would see their issue trigger and start the next fight in the, in the mediation, I started writing down these triggers and the triggers ended up over time, just very nicely falling into a pattern. And the pattern was what I would call the starved stuff. And then what I would see is the minute the starved fired, they would start starving each other. So when one need wasn't met, the next need wouldn't be met. So the first need I noticed in a relationship is if we want to make a healthy couple, um, or anything. If you want to have a healthy employment agreement with somebody, if you want to have a healthy contract with somebody, we have to feel safe. And so what I teach is we got to feel physically safe. So no one's going to be harmed physically, socially safe. So we won't embarrass each other. For some reason, I, my wife doesn't feel socially safe with me, right? Which I don't understand because <laughs> I feel like I do a really good job of embarrassing myself, but she says it embarrasses her. So we have social safety. We have emotional safety, which is can you share what's really in your heart? Is it safe to share? We have to feel financially safe so we have enough money. And then I say we have to feel spiritually safe so we have the same value system. And what I find is when we don't feel safe, it completely changes how we talk to somebody, right? So anybody out there listening, how do you communicate with someone you're not safe with? You don't. Or you do carefully. And then so when safety is not there, what it creates is a bunch of issues and smoke. And then we fight about money like money is the issue. But what I found is the real issue. The fire is the safety. 
Yeah, I like that, Matt. That's, it feels like that's one of our core needs, right? One of these essential needs that we have and that you, yeah, we do kind of mask it and it, the evidence is it, it produces itself in, in other, manifests itself in other ways. Um, what about the T? The T uh, in the acronym STARVED stands for trust, you say. And the research suggests that trust really, I mean, it's foundational in a relationship. What's your take on trust? Yeah, trust to me, if you think about it, and again, we'll fight about what's on your cell phone. How come you keep hiding your cell phone? So the cell phone becomes the smoke, but the fire is trust. So to me, to trust is two things. Trust is I've got to be able to trust your character. So I have to trust that you're honest, you're decent, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. I also have to trust your competency, that you're actually competent at doing what you say you're going to do, right? So to trust your partner, it's like trusting a doctor. If I'm going to trust my doctor, I got to trust they're telling me the truth and I got to trust they can deliver on what they say they're going to do. So to me, when both of those needs are met, we trust each other. And when the needs aren't met, it starts to impact kind of how I see you, what I have to do. So then I have to follow you more. I have to check your location. I have to check your phone. So so now all of a sudden, all these other issues come up. And I always call it smoke and fire because as a mediator and as a coach teaching communication, as long as we're just fanning smoke and we're not talking about safety and trust, we're not really ever dealing with the real issue. Yeah, that's so true. So we've got safety, we've got trust. Then we've got A for appreciation. It, appreciation is crucial for healthy marriage. You're so right. And, and why do we easily forget, do you think, Matt, to, to be grateful and to be appreciative? Well, isn't it weird? Because we, we don't almost count, we don't account for our needs being met until they're not being met, right? So once we know they're being met, that's great. And we just kind of move on. But when I talk about appreciation, the goal of the relationship is it should be appreciating in value. It should be appreciating in our in our excellence at doing it well, right? But um, and when I even think about appreciation, I almost think of like the five love languages where, and, and for me, I, I use a different approach a little bit. I call them love senses where we all have a different style, maybe like a learning style where we, we know we're loved through a, a, a sense. For example, I'm more of a toucher. I want to be touched to know I'm loved, but I'm also a hearer. So I want to hear love, but I'm married to a woman that's a seer and she sees she's loved. So she likes to see me vacuuming. Okay. In like a maid outfit, whatever. Uh, so I vacuum for her. And it's not even like a French maid outfit, you guys. It's kind of like a janitor from the Marriott outfit. But as long as I'm vacuuming, it makes her super happy. And so, but when I, what I notice is when, um, when we're both trying to be appreciative of what we've been given, seeing the good that's been given, instead of just always hoping for what we want, um, we actually have to go out. C.S. Lewis used to teach that you want to count, you want to count the given good, right? Count the thing that's actually there instead of hoping for what you hope to get. And, um, so what I try to really push on is, a, we've got to try to understand our partner's style and needs. And then we got to work really hard to appreciate them enough that we're meeting those needs their way. And then they need to account for it and notice it's happening. And when I see safety and trust and we feel appreciated, we, we're no longer fighting about who did the dishes. We're no longer fighting about who started, uh, who initiated sex. We don't fight about those things because we feel appreciated. 
Yeah, I like that, Matt. And I like that you pointed out that we have to notice that because it really starts with this awareness because some of the things I'm not even aware, you know, of all the things that my wife is doing, for example, at home until it's not done, right? Until the dishes are sitting there. I'm like, hey, what have you been doing all day? So it, it is, it's this notice and aware of what's going on in her world. And then I, then I feel appreciative and then I then express it. Right. I love that. That's right. In fact, I even do an activity where I have my clients and you guys have done this and heard about it, where you just, every night you identify three things that your partner did that day that made you feel loved and you write them down. And then they write theirs down on the other side of the chart. And at the end of the day, you, while you're brushing your teeth, you're writing this down. You're communicating to each other what you feel loved by. And over a week or two or three, you end up getting quite a few, 42 a week, examples of where you feel loved in the relationship. That's how you start to really take an accounting of how appreciated you are. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, and that leads to the next letter, and that is R. R is, you say, stands for respect. And I agree that this one is absolutely essential. What's your take on respect? So I love this idea of respect because um, not only did Tina Turner have it right, right? Um, but you gotta, you gotta feel like in the word respect is the word spec, like spectacle, spec, something you could see. So do you see that they revere you? Do you see a reverence for you? Do they listen to your opinion or do they immediately dismiss your opinion? Do they do something with your full, um, with you being fully informed or do they just bring home the car? Surprise, bought you a new car. Um, do you feel like they respect you? And, and why I see this matters, there's a really strong pattern that I've seen in my own clients. And I know it's in the literature in marriage and family where a lot of times one partner will feel fear. They feel unsafe. And when they're unsafe, they're going to say something. And when they say it, it shames the other. They feel disrespected. And then that shame makes that person make the other person afraid. So fear begets shame. Shame begets fear. And it starts a spiral. And that spiral I call the starved spiral. And now we're fighting over one partner's need to feel more safe. And then the other person feeling controlled, you, what do you think I'm an idiot? I'm not going to pay our taxes. And now we're fighting about taxes and money and we spiral in fear and shame instead of, and then we, by the way, stay in the fight, but we never talk about fear and shame. What we talk about is taxes. And I want everybody to learn to stop chasing that high stuff, the smoke that irritates and start getting down to the real fire, which is the starve, the safety, the trust the appreciation, the respect. Ah, that's beautiful. And then of course the next one for V is validation. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Please tell us a little bit more about this need it's, to validate and to be validated. Isn't it interesting? Cause to me it's um, validation just simply says that you see I'm valid. You may not agree with my opinion. You may not, I may not be right on everything, but you don't blow me up to make a point. You allow my idea to stay there and then again, you don't even have to agree with it. The, the perfect example where I saw this was I was uh, consulting with DuPont at a plant in Biloxi, Mississippi. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Biloxi, but it's pretty muggy. It's a muggy place. It's, and it was like August. And I'm from Utah, right? The desert. And so when I walk out uh, of this plant, I have never felt more humidity in my life. And um, I'm just like, oh, this is so muggy. And a guy behind me looks at me, rolls his eyes, and he says, this is nothing. 
try Vietnam. Okay. And I'm like, um, I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't want to go to Vietnam, but he was so invalidating of what I was feeling. And I didn't need him to agree with me, but all he had to do was get a little more curious as to why it was bothering me. And if he had stepped into it, he would have said, now, oh yeah, you're not from Biloxi, are you? And I would have said, nope. And he said, where are you from? Now that curiosity can start to hear my story. I'm from Utah. And then you know what they're going to ask. And how many wives do you have? And I'm just the one, but it feels like a lot. But um, once they go there, then he's like, now that's a desert, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No wonder you're dying. Yeah. Guess what kills a Biloxi boy? What? Vietnam. Did you go to Vietnam? Now we can both be valid in the story. We both know more about each other and we can go forward in validity instead of what we tend to do is when I don't like what you're saying or I don't like where you're coming from. A lot of times we drown that idea and I think I need to drown the idea to win instead of allowing the ideas to just be in the space together. Validation. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. Um, the letter E in your acronym STAR stands for encouragement. Why is it? Why is that so important in, in relationships? And what do you mean by encouragement? So humans are naturally drawn to positivity, right? It actually uplifts us. It excites us. We pay attention to the positive thing. And so Encouragement to me um, is the idea to bring in, to be the cheerleader for your partner, to bring, um, to bring focus to what's good that's going on. The word courage, I love this word. It comes from the Latin word core, the French word cur, which means heart. So to encourage somebody means you are within their heart. You know what their dreams are. You know what their goals are. You know what their desires are. And you are doing everything in your power to cheerlead their desires, to be there by their side, help them get to school, help them do their thing that they need to do to be the best person they can be. And when they're down, we lift them up, we give them hope, and um, we might give them some guidance. But all in all, my heart is into your heart. My heart wants what your heart wants. And so to me, that's encouragement. And everybody needs a cheerleader, every relationship. Um, I think that is something we're struggling from right now. 
We have a lot of people I don't think that know how to do it. I, I think a lot of us, too, are kind of zero-sum mentality where if I encourage you, then I won't be encouraging myself. So I need to, like, have boundaries and only take care of my own needs. Um, sometimes that seems to be a message we're giving. But encouragement is me being there to cheer you on and have enough strength to get into your heart and know what your dreams are. Oh, it's beautiful. So this star is not just for marriages. It's for every relationship. Did I get that right? Yeah, totally. I and I because I learned this in the corporate world. I worked in a, in Franklin Covey for years, and I learned it with companies. Um, but it, the thing is, it's a, those are human needs, right? They might be operationalized in an organization or a community, but everybody needs safety. Every community needs trust. Every team needs appreciation. Every boss needs to feel respect. Every employee needs respect. We all want validation. We all want encouragement. Yeah. We sure do. You know, the one story I tell often, Matt, it was from you. I always give you credit. And you said something about, so let's say our daughter, my daughter loves Barbie dolls. I've got to find a way to love those Barbie dolls. Those Barbie dolls have got to be as important to me as that little girl is to me. That's right. And once you elevate it, you elevate the activity to the importance of the relationship, right? And that, if you think about it, that's respect. That's also validation. That's encouragement. Um, I really believe... what did you say? My heart has got to be part of your heart. What yeah, my, my I've got to be able. So encourage would mean within your heart. I've got to be willing to get into your heart and know your dreams. And tell me how many parents do you know that struggle to find out what their kids want to become because they're too busy trying to get them to be what they need them to become. What they want them to be. Yeah. And then that doesn't feel encouraging. That just feels couraging. That's just parents being courageous with their kids. But what people want is that you're encouraging. You're in my heart. And then you're using your abilities as my parent to help me be successful. Ah, wonderful. So with Starve, we've got safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, and now the D is dedication. Such an important component of healthy relationships. How many times have you heard somebody say, you just, you love your phone more than me? And then we fight, we fight about the phone. Or will you love golf more than me? It's that is a that is a need of de- dedication. The person's not feeling someone's dedicated to them, right? And that lack of dedication makes it so um, there's this thing in communication theory that's called logical force. Logical force says if I don't feel safe, trusted, appreciated, respected, validated, encouraged, and if I don't feel you're dedicated to me, then I am justified. It is logical. For me to not like you. It is logical for me to fight against you. It is logical for me to play against you. It's called logical force. So logical force is the energy that's to do something logical, even though it's against our morals. So that's why I can treat you poorly because you treated me poorly first. So it's only fair that I treat you poorly. But once we do something out of logical force, we start I start starving you, not because I believe in starving you, because all the starved needs are pretty much aligned to most of our values. Most human values believe in those needs. So the only reason I'm not doing that for you is either I don't know how, my ignorance, or um, I'm not going to because you don't feed me. You starve me, then I'm justified to starve you. And then that perpetuates this spiral again. And the, the hard part about it is starved people starve people. But we, if you ask people why, and why don't you just stop it? 
what their answer is, well, and then what? Just keep feeding them? Just keep feeding that person? But um, what what I found is, no, you, but, but if you don't live your values, then you're the one that's hurt. And now you've become something you're not. And I actually think in a lot of relationships, that's what we're mad about. I'm not mad that you don't feed me necessarily as much as I'm mad at what you've turned me into. You've turned me into somebody I don't like who I am. That's and then true. I project that on you and that creates oh, yeah. energy. Blame that person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Game awesome. on. <laughs> wow. Indeed. That has been, this is really, really helpful. I, we like to ask um, all of our guests this particular question. So Dr. Matt, what do you believe is the key for a stronger marriage connection? Great question. Um, the, to me, there's, I think there's a variety, a couple things, two or three things. But, but one of them is, um, is basically, and I'll just have to paraphrase the quote by Timothy Keller, but it's basically every one of us wants to know that um, two things. We want to know, we want to be known, right? But if all we are is known, um, it's kind of shallow. And we also want to be loved. But if all we are is loved, but we're not known, it's kind of shallow. But deep down, I think what all of us want to be is pr like profoundly known and immensely loved. So if you can come to know my needs and my idiosyncrasies and my oddities and love me anyway and show kind of a genuine, unconditional type of love for who I am, knowing who I am, knowing that I'm not the most responsible or I'm not always the most, I'm not always on time and I don't always cook great and I'm not always dressed right, but you love me anyway. That's to me, that's how God loves, but it's also what I think is the key to a relationship is making sure those two needs are, are met. And here's the problem. It goes with the starved metaphor. A lot of us come to the relationship thinking the reason that needs not being met is because they are starving me. But some of us came to the relationship with an eating disorder, we, meaning we don't know how to receive love. We never learned it. We don't know how to feel love because we weren't loved when we were younger, so we don't trust it. So the other thing I would just say is it's this attachment issue that a lot of us have. Some research believe right now about 60% of the population of millennials are struggling to have a safe, healthy attachment where they don't know they're they don't know they're safe and trusted and appreciated and they don't know how to get these needs met with their partner and it kind of causes our typical fight flight pattern and so what what I what the two things I would look for is try as hard as you can to do the feeding to grow the relationship and if it's not seeming to satiate us if it's not if we're not keeping the food then let's get really serious about figuring out our attachment stuff Go get some counseling. Go get the book Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. Go start reading about healthy attachment to others so that we can stop the fight or flight and start feeding. Oh, yeah. Good. I love that whole idea of some of us came into marriage with an eating disorder, an eating issue. That's just well said with your acronym of STARVED. 
We want to make sure that that our listeners and viewers know where to find you, Matt. You have something really exciting going on right now online. Marriage Boot Camp. Yeah, Marriage Boot Camp. What it is, basically, is I'm trying to put everything online. I've had workshops. I have dozens of workshops and, and literally dozens and dozens of hours, plus podcasts, plus all my Studio 5 appearances. It's all on a website called Becoming One. But if you go to matttownsend.com, that's the site where you can start to access it. Inside of that, I have what's called a 10-day marriage makeover. And um, it's just a simple program where I will send you out a video every week, but I assess you on a 50-point survey to figure out where you are in that starved spiral. And once you're in this starved spiral and you start throwing things back on each other, then you get very selfish, very reactive, very polarized, very negative interpreting, very hopeless. You start abandoning. And in this program, we'll show you how to start reversing that. And then you can get on our other program called Becoming One, which is just a subscription where we do coaching, skill building, and it's just a really flat, easy, inexpensive fee to get you all the tools that we can. And you can find those at matttownsend.com. That's fantastic. We're going to put all those links in our show notes just so our viewers and listeners will know exactly where to find you, Matt, and all the good things you're doing in the world. Thank you, guys. So good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, before we we let you go, Matt, we like to uh, kind of reflect back on our takeaways. Uh, If there's a message you want our listeners to know, what would you say that is? What's your takeaway of the day? Yeah, great. Um, One is that it's not over until it's over. And don't give up prematurely. Um, I'm a big believer that the majority of our relationship problems, we're probably ignorant to. And um, I, again, I grew up in a family, awesome parents, but I remember them arguing, not in a mean way, but they just couldn't get along. And then they divorced when I was eight. And what I've been able to see and find and put together, there's so many powerful skills and there's so many places out there to get them. So just because the relationship isn't working doesn't mean it can't work. So don't give up, number one. Uh, number two, um, find the power in in just the principles. To me, the power of starved is that there's those are seven principles. And if I were going to teach like my daughter one thing on her wedding night, the only thing I taught her that mattered was that your partner's not going to bring you the peace in the end. And um, your profit and profitability and your pop, your popularity and your power, these things don't last. So if there's one thing that lasts, it's the principles, safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, dedication. Those last. Invest in the principles. Learn character. Learn communication. Learn companionship skills. Learn to change. Those are the principles. And keep listening to programs like this that are feeding more and more very strong, powerful, uh, actually education-based, research-based tools to have these healthy principles in your life and then get the help you need, then make the decisions of if we stay together or not. Don't make that decision without being seriously informed. Uh, Yeah, man. Well said. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Liz, what's your takeaway today? You know, I think our greatest fear is being known. I think we're definitely afraid of being known. If you knew me, if you really knew me, you may deem me unbroken, unlovable, unworthy, but there's just no other way to get to feeling loved. I've got to be known by you. I've got to 
I've got to expose myself, who I am, my warts, my weaknesses. There's no other way to feel accepted, known, and loved. It's worth the risk. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Takeaway? Yeah, Matt, I, I love your insights. Um, I particularly, I haven't heard the one on, on encourage. I really like that, uh, that being able to, to courage to get into someone's heart to truly um, understand them. I love that take that because when that understanding comes, then I can have, it opens up my heart to compassion. And I can see you, I see you differently because I, I, I see your soul, that intimacy into me you see. I see truly you and who you are. So I, I love that. I appreciate that that insight. So good, you guys. Great insights. Yeah. Well, Matt Townsend, Dr. Matt Townsend, we appreciate you, um, again, taking the time to share your insights, uh, the resources, the many things. we will Again, we're going to put that in our, our show notes, but people can find you at uh, Dr. Matt Townsend. Uh, is it Dr. Matt Townsend or MattTownsend.com? Just MattTownsend.com. Okay, MattTownsend.com is where you can go, and we'll put that in our show notes. And that will do it for us, my friends. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of The Stronger Marriage Connection. And remember, it's the small and simple things that make for a stronger marriage connection. Take care now. See you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore and what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at strongermarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.